Welcome back to the Profitable Python. I'm your host, Ben McNeil, and on this interview, you will meet Bob Belderbos and Julian Sakira, the co-founders behind PyBytes. Bob and Julian, with their powers combined, turn people with Python skills into professional software developers. Julian, Bob, welcome to the show. Hey, Ben. Glad to Good have to be you. here, man. Absolutely. This is officially the first interview where there's three people on here. So we're going to, we're just going to go for it. <laughs> yep. Can't so, wait to see what happens. Yeah. Uh, so in no particular order, uh, I want to touch on uh, Julian. You have expensive or ex <laughs> extensive experience in enterprise technology. What else should we know about you? You're a family man. What else? Yeah, family man. Um, if you can see this, you can see my sombrero on the wall. So I, you know, clearly like that sort of stuff. No, I'm kidding. I, um, yeah, I love computer games. Absolutely love computer games. It's how I got into IT in the first place. It sparked everything for me, my interest in coding and, and all that stuff. So I love my computer games. Um, and the other side of it is I love the, I love to help people. So it's this whole mentality of, of giving back and being able to, uh, inspire people, lead people, all of that, that sort of stuff. I absolutely love awesome. my thing. Yeah, awesome. And then, uh, Bob, your uh, professional career began with Unix Solaris support and gradually moved into building websites, scripting, then Python, and then now as a professional software developer, what else should we know about you? I'm a dad of two, uh, husband. I, um, yeah, I have a passion for coding. That's uh, what I do <laughs> most of the time. I uh, love helping people make them thrive uh, using Python and coding. Um, but yeah, really my passion is, is building the systems behind PyBytes, um, using software at work and I have this knack of automation, uh, when we can automate something and, um, that will pay dividends for years to come that that's, um, I'm on all, I'm all on it. Uh, nice. <laughs> also uh, fitness and, uh, yeah, I'm always reading a book. Mm. I'm all, I really believe that you should continuously, um, nourish your mind. Yes, absolutely. And uh, at, at risk of having uh, Julian hang up uh, right now, I have to ask you this, Bob. What is Julian's most hated word? <laughs> wow. It's on a blog. Well, I read it. <laughs> most hated word. You got me there. You got me there. Should, uh, should we not say it, Julian? Or <laughs> You can say it. I don't even remember it. Linting. I probably linting. Oh, <laughs> linting. I don't know why. Yeah. I don't know why. <laughs> Lint. It just sounds wrong. It, there's something wrong. It must be like how people hate the word moist. It, <laughs> I had, it doesn't. Yeah. It doesn't sound like an up. action word. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Thanks. I appreciate that. I'm going. All right. That's yeah. <laughs> that was our icebreaker folks. Now we can officially uh, go for it here. So uh, what is the origin story of your partnership? I'll just throw it out there and you folks can, can uh, answer it. All right. Yeah, that has gone back a long time. I think at least 10 years. And it all yeah. started at uh, Sun Microsystems, where I was uh, playing with some servers. I was, was building some tool and servers ran out in UK. So I had to uh, reach out to, uh, to Australia, for <laughs> of all places. Uh, so I, uh, he, he was, uh, Julian was managing the lab there. So um, yeah, can I borrow some systems and stuff? And uh, he was very kind and uh, gave me all I needed. And I don't know, there was some sort of spark. We, we went back and forth and it went into programming and it went into self-development. 
and we just kept talking you know we went <laughs> we kept in touch and um i don't know for years we were just sharing what we were learning and hmm. again on, on programming and and self-development and so we became friends and uh i think uh 2016 the pivotal moment uh, i'll let you uh describe that yeah Oh yeah, in 2016, that's when uh, I don't know what what it was. I mean, we spoke a lot anyway, but then that was when I said, "Oh, I've got this problem with, um, you know, I want to calculate my pay, make sure I'm getting paid the right amount of money," and uh, with all the overtime I was doing, you know, I was doing like 40 hours worth of overtime a week, wow. and um, he and Bob goes, "Why don't you calculate it with with Python?" I said, "How's a snake going to help me with?" I'm kidding, <laughs> uh, and you know, so he. He told me a couple of basic things, go look at here, go, go look at another website, you know, gave me some resources and yeah, made the script and that was it. And uh, that's when we both agreed uh, best way to learn was to teach and that just kicked off the blog. And uh, that was a huge, um, you know, step for us. We were both, you know, we, we saw the big wigs in the, the, the industry, so to speak. And we said, oh man, who are we putting content out there? But we just went for it, did it. Now here we are. Um, awesome. but one thing I'm going to correct here with Bob's story, cause you know, he's getting old. He forgets this stuff. <laughs> um, typical Bob overreaching, overreaching. He didn't just reach out to Sydney and ask for some machines. He reached out to Sydney after he booked too many machines and there were some flags that went off saying this person's overbooking this hardware. So that's when I got involved. And, um, my, I remember my first, uh, <laughs> thought was who is this person using up our hardware how dare he <laughs> and uh it turned out to be you know my best mate so that's <laughs> awesome. See, actually... not, not anybody gets to mr julian right i had to hack <laughs> my way into uh yeah. <laughs> so. that's it that's exactly right that's awesome uh, but we did find an email from years ago, from like 10 years ago where we first interacted and it was still very formal and respectful. It's just deteriorated into nothingness now. So, <laughs> Yeah, we will pay, um, I think, a million dollars for somebody who can dig up those old sun emails. Um, they're, they're all gone. Yeah. Bummer. Yeah, there's that uh that's that's really cool i think what you guys have is is really awesome i i'm gonna dig into it a little more here but just the whole partnership thing i i can imagine it could have gone the complete opposite direction so could you folks agree that you have kind of something special with your partnership oh yeah without a doubt it it, it takes like if you consider especially that bob's in spain and i'm over here this is like a uh extreme business partnership and and mateship you know like we're we're best mm -hmm. mates but and you'll see well not that everyone gets a chance to see this or anything but when we do talk business um we'll be talking business for a split second and then it'll just deviate into something that mates would be talking about mm -hmm. and back into business and and it's just this constant flow and that's what makes it really unique and i think that's what's helped it survive 10 years and grow into such a you know place where we mm -hmm. are now um what do you think bob yeah man that's well uh, well stated that's um this combination of friendship and partnership and 80 percent talking business but at the same moment we can just uh you know divert into anything um yeah it's it's really unique and uh, being remote on the other side of the planet um it's kind of uh saving myself from uh, his physical presence um it's also the <laughs> Ideal, um, you know, it's, it's really 
taught us that this can all be done remotely mm-hmm. and even better so right it's uh it's pretty amazing yeah that's that's really awesome so i was curious why do people love your python byte challenges platform or did i did i say that correctly the, yeah bytes of the, pi exercises the pi. yeah why do people yeah, because, love that so much because they they will hate coding for a man for a moment they will really get stuck nasty stuck <laughs> and uh and they complain but yeah. then they realize like oh actually like me googling and stack overflowing uh 20 times is actually part of the process yeah and then they get to the result and they get to see the gamification on the platform and they get totally hooked right mm. and most importantly they notice it in their python skills as like exponent well yeah almost exponentially because they go from very basic often to really doing amazing stuff and it's so we i think we found kind of the recipe um, with the code challenge, with the practical approach, and and those exercises being real world, mm. for them to be very valuable and, and good use of their time. Yeah, mm. the the real world part is the the key term there because when when you hit these exercises, it's not like a traditional coding platform where it's some sort of arbitrary uh, solve this puzzle. It's something that you can almost imagine being in the workplace, someone coming up to you and saying, "Hey, can you solve this problem for me? Can you?" help me get data from this form to another? Can you help me you know, investigate this problem? And then these exercises wind up being little, I guess, aspects of a toolkit, puzzle pieces that you can keep and think to yourself, oh, I can use that with this one, piece them together and there's a solution. And uh, people end up recalling, a lot of the stories we get from our users, are, uh, they, they recall a byte while they're on site, while they're at work, whatever. Mm. And they think, oh yeah, solved a bite like that. And they quickly go log into the platform, look at their solution and go, oh yeah, that was, that's exactly what I need. Hmm. So. That's awesome. One thing that I uh, really enjoyed about uh, the, the bites of pie that I've completed is no matter if you're starting out uh, at the beginner level or doing something advanced, you are instantly immersed with this concept of testing, which I thought was pretty mm. unique because you don't really, yeah, in, in the inter, just the, all the land of the internet, you don't always run into that with tutorials and stuff. So, good on you for thank you for pulling that <laughs> off for indoctrinating people into yeah. testing straight away. <laughs> yeah, yeah, and it's a nice uh, publicity for PyTest, which we love, and it's mm-hmm. all written in PyTest. So, yeah, that's awesome. So, um, when it comes to community building, because that's that's another thing that I, from the outside looking in, I see you two as being really successful in this department. I was curious, what would you consider your biggest catalyst in, in growing that community? Do you mind if I take that, Bob? Sure. Yeah. Uh, I think it was just honestly putting ourselves out there. Hmm. It was, so it's one thing to, for example, write the blog, but if we don't share it out and you know, show people that it's there, you don't get anywhere. So it was one thing to share it out. And then two, it was to try and get people interacting. And that actually wasn't our intent to start with. I know we've, we've probably said this before somewhere, but we started with code challenges uh, that we were running for ourselves. You know, Bob wanted to challenge me and I want to challenge him. And so it became a weekly thing, but we started sharing those blog posts that had the challenge in it. We started sharing that out on Twitter and, you know, very slowly, like it was only one person, but one person 
would join in with us and then another and then another. And as we just kept up that consistency, that's what sort of helped us. That, that's what kickstarted the growth. Hmm. Yeah, that's, oh, carry on. Yeah, I was just taking it all. I totally agree. This is all before Slack because when we started the Slack channel, it kind of got greater momentum, but it all started with, um, I often remind people like we only had a blog, like just a blog in the millions of blogs, right? Yeah. But then um, by doing so, by getting out there, we discovered this um, actually challenging I think it started with Noah Kagan, right, uh, Julian? Like at the coffee yep. challenge. Yeah, exactly. Coffee <laughs> to challenge. To be uncomfortable, yep. you have to go to Starbucks and ask for a discount. Oh um, yeah, yeah. And not I've to heard. get a discount. It's not the money's not the problem. Yeah. <laughs> Four bucks yeah. for a coffee, but it's like <clears throat> being uncomfortable doing that. Yeah. And that concept we kind of brought into the Python world in in our PyBytes world, uh, and and Julian now go write a web scraper, and he did. You know, and then at the end of the week, you <laughs> yeah, did. Uh, here, here are some uh, suggestions on your code, and wow, this is actually pretty cool. And then, then we, you know, the code challenges were born, and and actually the whole niche uh, where we, uh, well, where we found the niche. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, but yeah, as Julian said, it was all like uh, getting out there, and because before we we wouldn't have envisioned doing that actually. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I love how it's kind of like you're playing around, but out in the open and there was no intent on doing this. It's just like that, that uh, to me, I, I think that's really cool. Like that's the piece that I'm taking out of it is go out there, play out in the open, don't have any expectations and watch what happens. Like you'd, you'd be surprised what happens with consistency. That's kind yep. of what I got. Oh, cool. That's awesome. So uh, what aspects of coaching because I know you folks are doing coaching right now. I am a byproduct of the coaching, full disclosure. Uh, what aspects of coaching came natural to you two and what were kind of the scariest parts of taking that action? Yeah, okay. I'll, I'll start with that one then. Um, what came naturally to me is was the ability to talk with people. Um, mm-hmm. where, when you think about coaching and mentoring, if you can't communicate, it doesn't matter how much you know, you're not going to be able to get the point across. You're not going to be able to listen enough to understand what the problem is to be able to help and provide advice. Um, and, and that's the sort of stuff that came naturally. I, I tend to be, uh, what, what, what's the uh, personality thing that I am, Bob? Protagonist. The, the antagonist. Protagonist. Pro- not antagonist. 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 Come on, man. Um <laughs> Yeah. Now he's, he's the antagonist. Uh, so the protagonist is what the, uh, the, the Maya Briggs score was for me or rating was. And mm-hmm. um, that really is, you know, some people might not like that sort of rating system, but whatever you think of it, it helped me identify the things that I was doing and let me understand that, yes, I, I can talk with people. I'm comfortable meeting new people and being able to relate with almost anyone that I come across. And so that's what came easy to me. And that's what allowed me and allows me still in this um, mentoring coaching program to understand where people are coming from and then be able to customize my style to suit. That's awesome. Yeah. For me, that's a great point about the Myers Briggs um, because when we started uh, the coaching, we, uh, we did a little bit of uh, 
uh, inventorization, so to say, of our uh, mindsets. And uh, yeah, there's the Mr. Protagonist and here's Mr. Consol. So he's like the leader and super communicative leadership. And uh, I'm more like the console. So I'm like more systems guy. I, I, I'm implementing. And, and that's actually, that was a great reflection on, on what had happened before hmm. me doing the systems, you know? Um, so so that's cool and uh, that yeah so for me what came more naturally was like the content production and the coding um, so making the platform ready to accommodate uh, coaching to uh, produce videos which we had already done for um for talk python um so that that part and yeah and and i think the code reviewing that yeah like uh, when people submit their code and go through it um, make suggestions about actual Python and, and the design. So that came more natural to me. Yeah. Cool. Did, was there like a scary, was there a scary aspect to it or are you just 100% fearless? We got a list, uh, at least five. Shall we challenge ourselves? (laughs) Oh gosh. Ben Ben McNeil is one of them. (laughs) Number one. (laughs) Number one, Ben. Uh, yeah, well, I I was going to say, um, you know, you, the thing that scares still scares me the most is that these people are coming to you for advice for mentoring. And there's always, you know, we, we teach this imposter syndrome thing about how to deal with that and and Mm -hmm. work through it. And even us, you never truly get through it. It's impossible. But, um, to me, that's, that's when it rears its head when I think, Oh, wow. You know, I have a direct influence on this person's life. And that's, that can be a big deal. So that, that's one of the things that does scare me from time to time. Hmm. Wow. That's yeah, where are you, Bob? Well, as a console, you know, uh, improvisation for me is difficult. So going onto group calls and have to figure out things on the fly, that, that's really a challenge. It can be, uh, you know, can be scary. Um, mm-hmm. uh, but that, that's a great opportunity to grow because doing, with all these things we have been doing uh, since we went into coaching, like doing it, five to 10 times you become fluent and like, Oh, actually it wasn't, wasn't that big of a deal, but you have to kind of go through the pain, you know? Mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. And, and some people stop there, but you have to kind of persist and you, you cannot see at the other end that it's not a big deal. No, at the moment it feels like it feels really ugh, uh, scary, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Then there's also like, we had to learn marketing. We had to learn sales, uh, you know, getting on calls with people, really digging into their story, mm. um, getting attention, Facebook ads. It's, yeah, it's, it's, it's massive. <laughs> wow. Yeah. That's, that's really awesome. Thanks for, uh, just really open up the hood there and sharing all that stuff. So I wanted to shift into becoming a profitable Pythonista. So what expectations should someone set for themselves if they want to become a software developer and they only have basic Python skills? It takes time, mm. a lot of time. <laughs> yeah, that, that's Bob's contribution. It just takes time. It's um, profound. <laughs> I mean, I, I, I can give more detail, of course. But <laughs> Julian is dying to say something here. No, I don't. You see, he can tell. This is this is why we work well together. Um, no, I, I was going to say, if for someone who wants to really become a, a professional so- software developer, yes, it, yeah, time is the big thing. It's not just going to happen overnight. Uh, mm-hmm. But expect to work your butt off for it. Um, it's not just a matter of being able to regurgitate code. Uh, it's about putting your 
money where your mouth is, right? And being able to show you have created things, you can you can create things. You've got projects under under your belt, um, and then just as importantly, and this is you know what we run through in the program is you have to be able to communicate that. You could be the world's best programmer, but if you can't sell that to an employer or to your boss or to whoever that you're trying to get a job from, mm-hmm. um, if you can't do that, you've got no hope. You know, you you could have the greatest code, but if you can't work well on a team, if you can't take criticism, if you can't, you know, essentially take your ideas and communicate them in such a way that people who don't know how to code can understand it. If you can't do that, then you know, it's not, you're not really helping anyone. You're helping Mm -hmm. yourself and that's about it. So that's one thing that people have to wrap their heads around. They have to learn how to communicate. Yeah. I, I love that. Thanks for sharing that. Um, How can somebody practice strategic planning so they can actually own their career? You got an answer, Bob? Yeah. I think it starts with goal setting. So if you're not clear about where we're going to go, we end up anywhere and we hang out the whole day on social media. Well, I'm still doing that, but, um, <laughs> but like, you have to, you have to, buddy. Yeah. It's part of the job. Part, now. Yeah. part of the job. Exactly. But yeah, no, but no, that's, that's still cool. But um, you really have to know where you're going. Right. So mm-hmm. for, for five bytes, we have a very clear roadmap. Um, where we're going and that keeps us hyper focused. So, you know, the very micro level, if, if we talk like we, although we're friends and we want to talk about any kinds of thing, we like in typical stand up we have, we, we go through bang, 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 like five to 10 topics. Is it because we are laser focused because we have the roadmap in front of us? So, and I think it's no different with your career that, um, yeah, you have to just, if you have a goal, it becomes like way, I think that takes out one third of the work because you have clarity. Mm-hmm. I think that would be number one. Yeah. Yeah, I agree. Awesome. The, to, to add to that, uh, I had this conversation on a strategy call the other night. It's that, you know, that age old question you get in job interviews and stuff. Um, where do you see yourself in five years? Where do you see yourself in 10 years? Um, these days, I feel that's such an, you know, antiquated question. It's just, it's kind of pointless because we're no longer in, you know, a society where you study to be an accountant at university and then you're an accountant for the next 50 years. That, that's just not how it is with the internet, the, the ability to learn from anywhere now and having so much at our fingertips, you could pivot your career in a year, within a year, you know, you, you don't even need, um, for a lot of things, you don't need, you know, diplomas and whatever it is for university. It's applied knowledge. If you can prove it, then you can do it. And so I think not funneling yourself or into one single path for the rest of your life and saying, I'm going to be this for the rest of my life. I think that can be detrimental to success for success because hmm. you that, then you start subconsciously missing opportunity when it comes your way. So if you're not willing to pivot, if something awesome comes up, um, you don't even notice it. You don't even realize that was an opportunity for you to say, maybe go from accounting into data analysis or something, you know? And um, so I think the better question to ask is, you know, 
where where do I find joy in what I do? Where do I feel I'm getting the most fulfillment from what I'm doing? Because it might be fulfilling one day, but in uh, two years from now, it may not be fulfilling. So when people ask me that question, my answer is just, oh, I'll be happy. That's about it. Yeah, that's, that's excellent. Thank you both for sharing that. And I was curious, uh, what do you recommend that doesn't take too much effort, but solves like 80% of the mental game challenge of being a self-educated Python developer? The mental game. Say, yeah, when you say the mental game, what do you mean? So I, I guess there's like, I, I'm assuming that uh, like if you had a background in computer science, maybe you wouldn't struggle with the, the imposter syndrome or the um, like, I know I probably missed some things self-educating myself. So when mm -hmm. it comes to like uh, salt, like, like maybe you can proceed with confidence if you just had like 80% of an essence that I would hope you can lay down for us here. <laughs> Or we can pass the question if, if that's too well. No, no, no. Okay. We, we have stuff. You have to, you how, how to gain confidence then? Yeah, I guess that's, thank you for reading between the lines. Yeah. Like what is, <laughs> what, what is like the, how do you get like, you know, confidence with your programming skills if you're self-educated? I think ironically by becoming uncomfortable. So if you hmm. do the things that you fear, um, like the example I had, like uh, performing in groups, or it could be public speaking, or it could be, um, you know, uh, do code reviews uh, where you're like, <laughs> really like, oh, I don't know if my code is good enough, you know, what, what often happens, uh, especially, well, it still can happen, right, at any level, especially when you start. But just by getting out there, um, getting the feedback, iterate, getting better, you, you grow and you become more confident just just by doing mm -hmm. yep. and you know i think if to to add i think even people who go to university and get these degrees still have that essence of fear right um but for for me i think one of the biggest things you can do if you're someone out there listening that's um sort of frozen in fear at the idea of going for something like a python job when you haven't studied python for five years at university um as with anything, then nothing builds confidence like knowing that you've done it before. So uh, the, the tip there is go and build something. Just make mm -hmm. something and even go and look at job ads that you want to apply for and see what they're asking you to know. And then go and build it yourself on the outside. And knowing mm -hmm. that you've done it or built something similar is going to really give you that confidence boost when you go for job interviews and you can say, yeah. I've got just the thing, go check out my GitHub, you know? That's yeah, that's one of the pitfalls we see, like a tutorial paralysis, like, or, or perfectionism. Like, yeah. I have to have read 10 books before I can even write a line of code. I have to have one, two, three before I can even uh, apply for a job. But what actually happens is, if you apply for a job, not knowing all the things, yes, you will fail, but then you get you can actually know what it is to interview, and then you can iterate, and you go much faster. Hmm. Dang, that's that's why you guys are the Python uh, ninjas. You made the ninja platform. <laughs> this makes a lot of sense. Thank you. <laughs> uh, <Our> what, pleasure. <laughs> so uh, when learning, and we may have already addressed this, but I'll just I'll hit it head on here. Uh, when learning new programming topics, what is a technique somebody should 
use to really make that concept stick in your opinion i guess yeah same okay. same same old story right yeah. build it <laughs> yeah, use it um, use it yeah use uh, it uh, well and, uh, go from building tutorial like mm. a zigzag but yeah. not go read the whole thing and, and not doing because then then you have retention of literally 10 percent yeah well, yeah, you know, the, the other thing, I think we, we mentioned this before, but teach it as well. You know, try and explain it to someone at the very least, if, if that's all you can do. But write about it, you know, um, share it. That that also helps cement it in. That, that's a great point. Yeah, we hear from a lot of people that um, blog for their own or they start guest blogging. And they're like, wow, uh, a door goes open. Like, I, I so much better grasp this. Uh, and it really sticks now. Um, and that was then not only reading, not only coding, but actually writing about it. Yeah. So, uh, yeah. I, I was snooping on some other podcast episodes that, uh, that you did, Bob. And I think if I recall correctly, that's how you got linked up with Mike was from some blogging that, that on your platform. That, that was literally what happened. We, we went out there and uh, we did the hundred days of code. Um, so we really uh, grinded through a hundred days of code. Well, we did like we did we took turns so it was like yeah. day one we did a script um day two julian did a script but um <laughs> it was a full script so we had it was not like uh read for an hour or uh, it was Which really video. build something every day yeah had to be but, usable had to had to actually yeah. work yeah so 50 scripts each was was definitely 100 days each i kind of mm -hmm. But uh, yeah, that 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 we did, and uh, we uh, we tracked the progress on GitHub. Uh, then we wrote an article about uh, the top ten apps we built, and uh, wow, we got quite some stuff here. And I think that got picked up by uh, Python Bytes, the podcast. Mm. Not to be confused with PyBytes. <laughs> I'm guilty there. Yeah. yeah and, and and Mike saw an opportunity in that 100 days uh, concept of uh, combining video with exercise. And mm -hmm. uh, he had the video experience. We had the exercise experience. So uh, 100 days of code was, uh, well, first we went on the podcast. And shortly after, uh, we got that, up, that huge opportunity to uh, produce that course with him, which we were really uh, happy about. Yeah, that's that's really awesome. Just to, well, that leads right into this next question, which is about personal brand building. What actions do you recommend a Python developer should take to build a personal brand? Like they could start this tomorrow. Mm, that's a good one. Uh, Very. Or, or let me throw this out there because I've had people on the podcast that say personal brand is garbage. Like, like don't worry about it. Nobody cares. Like. I, I've seen, yeah, so you can argue against like even having a personal brand if you want. <laughs> well, you know, the, it's, I, I suppose it's the definition of personal brand that okay. you, you go by, right? For, for me, it's just what people, you know, expect from you when you communicate and um, like personal brand, not pie bites itself. But if you're building a business brand, that's different. Um, but for me, you know, I, I just think, as long as you set the scene that your personal brand is something, you're just going to be you and not be some sort of cliche of, you know, some sort of stereotype. Um, I think that's the most important thing. Um, and the only way I, I think to grow that and communicate that is to uh, develop content. So if someone wants to do that um, 
and, and really get out there and be known as like a Python expert or as a, a pro in this field or something, um, be developed content, get something, a whole bunch of things under your name. So people know you as that person, if that's your goal. Yeah, that's a great point. I mean, you don't have to have a brand name. Like, I mean, we happen to have uh, PyBytes, but if you think about the big names, not in Python, just overall, the Tim Ferriss, the Noah Kagan's, the Ramit Sethi's, they're not Tim Ferriss Inc. You know, they, they, right. they are Tim Ferriss because everybody knows them. And why do they know them? Because they have a wide outreach that has been built up over 10 plus years by a lot of content pieces. So they have podcasts, but they often started with a blog. So we always say like, start writing, start your blog at the very least. And from there, you kind of branch out. But yeah, it's, it's all about building up a body of content. So uh, that I always say like it all gets, uh, still gets indexed by Google, right? So yeah, <laughs> yeah. we literally have people come in via Google. It still, still works, you know, it's, uh, all these words are indexed. So hmm. yeah, that's, all, that's awesome. So what do you folks see as being, uh, I'm not asking for shortcuts here. I just want to know if there's some sort of uh, like low hanging fruit that Python developers can kind of like go out and grab to monetize their skills. Is there low hanging fruit to monetize our skills right now as Python programmers? Hmm. That's a good one. Um, I think if you are a Python programmer and you are solving problems, a decent thing to do is start taking note of the problems that you're solving. Um, so if, if you're at work, for instance, you're okay, you, you're not going to be able to make money off the work problem that you're solving because it's proprietary. But the concept in general, perhaps, of moving data from a you know, spreadsheet through an API to something, you know, mm -hmm. just the processes should be generic enough that you can take that and see if it's a problem that someone else needs solving. Uh, you can do that through freelancing websites. Uh, we, we have clients who freelance and they make some side income from that. Uh, some even make it a full-time income. Um, hmm. But yeah, the, the more experience you get solving these problems, you should be documenting that yourself um, where it's, you're legally allowed to again, and uh, then use that. And you could do anything with that. You could make a course out of that. You could uh, sell, you know, a library, whatever. I, I mean, I don't know if that's possible. <laughs> Probably not. I don't know. Um, but yeah, that, that's the way I think that someone could get started because if you're coding in Python actively somewhere, more often than not, you're going to be solving problems. Hmm. No. Excellent. What do you think, Bob? Anything? Yeah, no, I agree. That's uh that that won't be um, beneficial first weeks, but as you build mm -hmm. up your repository, then over time, as code is scalable, you can reuse pieces, and then it's it's a snowball effect. Yeah. Hmm. So, um, but at the very at the short term, as you're as as you're a Python programmer, there's a lot of opportunity. So, I mean, talking low hanging fruit, you could literally go on freelance site, build a scraper, and and you know there there's a lot of opportunity. Right. Um, it's, it's almost like if I'm hearing from both of you, you need to be like the hunter of problems and just kind <laughs> of like start to kind of like collect this little like trophy room of like problems that I solve. And cause I've heard mm -hmm. of like 
your pay is in proportion, direct proportion to the size of the problem you solve. And maybe we all just needed that. Like I needed that reminder just now, but that wasn't intuitive to me when I asked that, that question. And that's where we should all be looking. What problems have we solved or, or are we looking to solve? Thank you. Yes. Yeah. I mean, there's, there's no point trying to sit there and, and rack your brain looking for new stuff. A lot of the problems that people get people solve that in their past is mm-hmm. what brings them success. So cool. Yeah. That's awesome. Well, that that's a perfect segue into this next one. So let's say you run into a problem. How do you rapidly prototype a solution? What insight can you offer on how, like how one might go about doing that? Mm-hmm. Do you want me to go, Bob? Sure. Okay. So the first thing I do, um, for those of you that won't see this, I just, I draw it out. I have a, um, a notebook or a pad or something. I grab a pen, pencil, and I just start storyboarding it out, uh, almost like a mind map. So, you know, when one of the latest problems I've had to solve at work, I was asked to do something. I, actually, I can't talk about it really, but the, the end of the day, the process was, is universal. Pen and paper started writing out what it is, what the requirements were, uh, what the output's going to look like, and then breaking it down each section into a chunk, some mm-hmm. sort of little doable chunk. And, um, and it was fantastic because it allowed me to then, it didn't seem so grand. It didn't seem scary. And I was able to go, yep, that I can do, that I can do, that I can do. And sure enough, um, over the time frame that I had, I was able to just do the bare minimum and get myself through each one of those steps to a minimal viable product. So that's um, a nice way to tackle the problem. Yeah, they say like one minute spend in planning saves you 10 in execution, right? So yeah. <laughs> mapping it out, it, um, it, it's very tempting to just, uh, because we all love coding, right? To dive straight in, oh, yeah. and write a bunch of spaghetti code, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> but uh, putting some thought in, it's not only for yourself, it's also like uh, actually clarify the requirements and, and going back to stakeholders, right? is this actually what you need? Because often we build something we think is cool, but then market is just falls, <laughs> falls flat, right? So uh, you have to talk with your audience uh, clearly, and then your uh, product might change drastically. Um, so yeah, I think the, the mind mapping, the planning is very important. Mm-hmm. Saves you a lot of time. I'll add as well, because this saves me a lot, because I bring ideas and, and thoughts to Bob. He's my sounding board there as well, man of many talents. Um, if you have a resource or someone else around you and you can, they can spare five minutes, just throw your solution at them and just say, here's how I think I'm going to tackle this problem. Uh, do you have any feedback? And uh, sure enough, you'll probably find that they might say, yes, you're missing this or this would be a much quicker way and easier way of doing that. And with Python, as we all know, there's many, many different ways to skin the cat. So if you, if you've just shoehorned yourself into one corner saying, I'm going to do it this way, someone might come around and say, actually, there's this library that'll cut your code down in half you can use. So it's always one yeah. thing to try. Yeah. We can, we can get stubborn, right. And you're like, yeah, I'm going to solve this problem by myself. And, and Django. <laughs> Stuck and just ask for help, right? Or or bounce off hard ears. Yeah. Uh, and that that's another productivity hack that saves a lot of time and gives you insights that you otherwise wouldn't have had. Cool. Yeah. And regarding the whole personal brand piece, is that 
the most effective way to market yourself as a software developer or do you have additional insight you'd like to add on a way to kind of optimize how you market yourself? Mm. I think one of the key things to market yourself is to, and this might even just go for anything rather than just programming. Okay. Um, I think it's to be earnest and just be honest at all times, be yourself. Uh, the second you try and uh, I guess be too scammy or for lack of a better word, you know, uh, I think that's when you start to lose it. So if you want to market yourself as a programmer, you know, make sure you're doing it. You, you let people know why you're doing it. You know, why is it that you love to program? Uh, it might simply be, I just love problem solving. I have a passion for Python and whatever. So, but if you can communicate that, then you, there's a bit of humanity behind it. And I think that will uh, take you a lot further than just trying to push the bottom line. Here's a dollar. Here, this costs this, this, you know, that sort mm -hmm. of stuff. Yeah. Cool. And then trust in the process because at the start we think we're all the same. Um, but as you go and you build out again, that, that body of content, you will find your niche. You will find your, your unique style, what sets you apart, and and then it becomes easier. So I think mm. it's just the hardest thing is to get started. Yeah, that I, what I what I love about that is I, at least just reflecting on my own situation. It's almost like I try and force the like the discovery of the niche. And what you're saying is you just go out there, start be, creating this body of content, and this thing will kind of reveal itself. So it's like. Yeah, it's almost just like light bulb moment for me. I'm going about this the wrong way. Like I, cause I'm, I'm constantly trying to figure out like, who's my niche? Is it like, you know, the petroleum engineers or like, what is this? But if I read the content and people resonate with it, that's how I discover it. So. Yeah, that, that was yeah. a, so fundamental, a fundamental shift in, in, uh, in the last year, I think where before we were just doing what, what we thought was cool and, and, you know, some things did stick, but a lot of things also not. Mm -hmm. and, and now we I think the last year when we moved into the coaching and the whole marketing around it, we, we learned to really look at the market first um, and, and be more strategic in, in what really they need because we, we, I think we fundamentally, we just asked them more questions and we got more like what's, what's really going on. We, we talked to them on the phone and mm -hmm. yeah. I think that's yeah. what we didn't do that much before. Well, we had our Slack and stuff, so we were always talking, but I think we, we, we've invested more in that right now. Yeah, yeah. the the one-on-ones have really helped because people are more way more willing to open up one-to-one. -one. It, was, it was actually quite interesting. I think earlier this year, we sent one of our first emails where we just, it was only a couple of lines and we just asked a, a question. That was it, just to our mailing our community, our mailing list, we just said, simple question. I can't remember what it was, but... Um, we got so many replies. I think it was the most replies we ever received to any email we'd sent in the past three years. And <laughs> it was and not it was a just, factor 10. It was like a factor 100. It, yeah, it was like a, and it was a two minute job. You know, we had no formatting. We said, ah, get rid of all that. Let's just plain text, chuck it in there and, um, <laughs> send it out. And, um, yeah. yeah, people, people just wanted the opportunity to vent and, um, you know, seek help and, and advice. And that was it. Julian is dropping some gold here. It's, uh, <laughs> it's, it's really funny that this story because, uh, a, it was easier. B, uh, people were 
literally is waiting to to kind of talk to us and and mm. for some reason because we didn't ask the question that that didn't happen mm -hmm. and uh, and see yeah uh <laughs> before i had these these long emails like this is going on on the blog blah 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 yeah. ignore <laughs> yeah. So yeah. and like simple yeah. question all conversation going on so yeah i guess don't overcome overcomplicate this you know that's that's what i don't like about that story i have to it has to be complicated you know <laughs> like that's Odie. like you yeah i i'm that's totally yeah that's totally a joke i'm glad you caught on to that folks yeah. but um man i just yeah i also in all seriousness though i'm just reflecting on myself here i'm constantly looking for where i'm making that mistake because that's I mean, would you say that that's happening all around you all the time? Like simplicity, it's just there for the taking if you want to take it or, or like, what's your insight on that? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, might be one of the pitfalls as well of a programmer that we like to solve problems. And sometimes we, we use it as a hammer, right? To, <laughs> to yeah. tackle any problem. And, and sometimes it's, well, as the Zen of Python says, right? Uh, simple is better than complex. And <laughs> yeah but but that that's an art right that's 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 a challenge to like less is more but to get it to less it's actually uh to be also for code to be very concise uh, probably goes to a, a couple of refactorings right so uh, mm. as as this this email example that was obviously not the first email we sent we had been sending emails for for years um i don't know, i guess it comes with experience uh mm. Well, I think it's it's everywhere. I'm I'm yeah. noticing as well because it's it's not just coding; it's work as well. When you think about it, uh, it's not hard to just pick up the phone. It's the simplest thing to talk to someone, and yet people will, you know, kill themselves over an email for two hours, thinking the best way to format it so it doesn't uh, sound like you're snarky. You're giving feedback. Just pick up the damn phone and say, <laughs> you know. Hey, how's it yeah. going, man? Yeah, I'm struggling at home too with my kids. And um, and you build the rapport that way and things are just a lot better. And then it's easier to say, yeah, your code sucked, by the way. <laughs> <laughs> but you know what I mean? Like, yeah. That's yeah, awesome. jokes aside. Cool. No, I, I really enjoyed uh, opening up that can of worms. Um, <laughs> <laughs> okay, so what is a strategy that you recommend for turning a stressful support event into a precious opportunity to demonstrate leadership. So like, what is the strategy that you could invert this terrible thing into awesomeness? I love this one. Yeah. When something gets messed up uh, and if you mess up, uh, then you can cry in a corner or you take ownership. So yeah. I think when things go wrong there, you actually should applaud that because they're, that's when leaders get born. Mm -hmm. So, I don't know, it sounds cliche, but you know, take it hands on, become super responsive, become super fast in your solution. And then if there was damage done, then if you can quickly, you know, um, turn it around and people will see how, how you take, right? So yeah, I think every, um, everything, every, every time something goes wrong, there's, there's an opportunity to, to grow, um, to not only fix the problem fast, but also you, take away learning that you because if 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 everything goes well all the time you won't grow right mm -hmm. so it's those moments that really define you i think yeah cool. 
it's also it's an opportunity to well you, it, i know this is a weird way of looking at it but it's almost a, a lesson in gratefulness you know you were the person just the way it happened to be that it all worked out you were the person that copped the the issue you know it could have been someone else who was two minutes slower than you or could have been the next person in line but you were the one who copped the stressful situation and so you were given the you're given the opportunity to to grow from that to fix the problem uh so if you're going to talk technical with work uh if something breaks on your watch well that's your opportunity to fix it and look like a superstar right mm. it may not even be your fault um but yeah obviously the catch is that you're in a stressful situation and the natural instinct humans is to run fight and fl fight or flight you know and well you're not going to fight with a machine or with code so your instinct is to just panic and call for help and run and but at the end of the day it is what it is you're in the situation nothing you can do can change the fact that in that present moment you're sitting there the one in control of this problem so you're either going to rise to the occasion grow and do something about it or you're going to buckle under the pressure and i think everyone wants to be the the former there and be the person who stands up and and owns it so um and the only way to do that is to just believe in yourself have the confidence and just say well i'm the best person to fix this right now so i'm going to try i'm going to do it so yeah hmm. yeah that's the extreme ownership it's almost like it's it's that mental game again where now instead now you're seeking out these like when these things arise you're seeking them out and that's hmm. uh that's demonstrating leadership uh just kind of riffing off what you guys are saying here. I think, I think that's really cool. Um, so what I'm detecting here with these, this, I, like I said, I've never done this podcast before with, with more than one interview guest at a time. And we correct me if I'm wrong here, but we're getting some serious one plus one equals three stuff going on here. <laughs> and, uh, <laughs> and I got, I gotta know, like, what is the essence of your partnership that makes that equation true? Oof. And we might have discussed it already. Like, is it the personality? Like, yeah, I think the what is that? Is is big because I focus more on the programming side, um, Julian more on the mindset side, and that's kind of a unique combination. Mm -hmm. um, yeah, Julian, maybe you want to elaborate on that. Yeah, I think uh, I, I think it's our um, both of us have this continuous learning mentality we we have this same interest in just constant growth no matter what we're attempting i mean this is this is where we've grown into just in three years uh purely by having that same mindset and uh being accountable to each other and uh, as accountability partners and also um just you know there's so many aspects to it it's if, if one of us is feeling a bit demotivated, the other one, it's almost guaranteed is not. And it, that's how it's always been every time. And so if I'm having one of those moments like, oh, dude, you know, I'm exhausted. The kids were a pain. I just have no motivation tonight. I, what are we doing? And Bob would be just slap out of it, you know? Um, <laughs> yeah. And vice, and vice versa when he's having a, a tough weekend or a tough evening and just feeling a bit whatever, blah. Um, I'll smack him too, and I'll say, "Come on, man, step out of it. Let's go. Pick, as get long up." As and... Time zones allow for it. Yeah, 
<laughs> that's it. That's it. That's it. I've always wondered how those digital swift kicks in the ass work, but uh... <laughs> I've broken many screens that way. It doesn't quite work the way I originally thought. Yeah. <laughs> awesome. Um, so, how would you improve on bringing your software as a service and coaching to the market if you had to do it all over again? Mm. This is a good one. Um, I think we'd, uh, well, we, I'll say I, no, I'm just we, I think what we would focus <laughs> on, brag, humble, <laughs> humble brag, uh, humble brag. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> um, no, I think what we would, um, what we'd focus on is the marketing more. I mean, mm-hmm. we, um, we're coders, we're, we're technical guys, we're engineers. We, we just love to build it, and it's so easy to get caught in just the code. Um, so if we were to, if our focus was to grow it as a business as well, then we would be invested. We would have, if we do this all over again, we'd invest way more time into the marketing side, learning that side of things, um, getting help with that sooner instead of just sitting there reading page after page on the internet. Um, we'd actually get someone who knows to help us through. Um, yeah, I think that's what I do straight away. What do you think, Bob? Yeah. Seek mentoring in that area because marketing obviously is not our uh, expertise. Um, so yeah, you need to, um, get some help there. Um, especially, yeah, as, as programmers, we're, we're notoriously, uh, not that good at it, you know? And, uh, I think now we are getting a little bit more of a grasp on it. And, uh, as we said before, many doors are opening. We get way more, um, info, um, come feedback into the business and I think that really is enriching it and as before we were just we did that less and uh, I think many features on the platform we built and were never used because we we thought they were cool but mm, yeah Yeah. whatever (laughs) it's just like code it because it's cool why don't you like it (laughs) exactly typical uh, pitfall yeah Yeah. why did that work yeah that's so I'm so I'm kind of curious about this. Uh, there is this school of thought out there where you only focus on your strengths and delegate your weaknesses. When it comes to marketing and business building, maybe is that school of thought not appropriate or is that where like the mentorship comes in to get you up to speed, but it's kind of a non-negotiable, like thou shalt learn marketing if, if you're in business. Like there's no, there's no way to, yeah. What, what is your thought on like, Uh, That's a great question because I think anybody can benefit hugely from marketing and sales because when you do the sales, um, well, it's really strategy session. So you hop on the phone, Mm -hmm. you really want to hear from your audience, right? So I wouldn't necessarily outsource that too soon. On the other hand, if you're very good at programming, yeah, you have some leverage there. So obviously... um, you want to do the coding in your business. But on the other hand, as you know that part very well, if you would outsource that or, you know, get some help, um, if it goes wrong, you can step into that. As, yeah. So it's, yeah, it's a double-edged sword. Um, but again, it's, it's super important to be in touch with your audience. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I, I got some advice from a, a good mate of mine who is, is really pro at marketing absolute champion i remember saying that exact same thing to him ben i said um can i outsource marketing because this is tough and he cracked up laughing and he said no way 
<laughs> Actually, he threw he threw an expletive in there, which I won't repeat. Yeah. But he goes, um, he goes, don't be crazy. And I said, what do you mean? He goes, the marketing you just cannot outsource it. It is you. It is you are what sells your product, or you are what draws in the people. You are what makes you you. And you can't expect a random person, especially if you're outsourcing to someone you've never met before. Um, you can't expect them to be able to market and sell a product for you the way you would do it yourself because you had the idea, you believe in it. They're just getting a paycheck. It's not the same. You won't get the same level of passion or enthusiasm. Um, and look, the, the side benefit of all this is that the marketing can be used for anything. I use it to convince my kids to do stuff. Um, you know, or, or say, Hey, this sounds like a great place to go to on the weekend. And really it's just cause it's got an arcade or something that I want to play in. You know what I mean? Um, yeah. And I realize how much negotiation power Julian is using with me. <laughs> <laughs> the Jedi mind tricks. I got yeah. tonight off. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> when, when do we meet Bob in three hours? Yeah, that's right. For another four hour session. Yeah. That's, uh, that's, that's really cool insight. Thanks for sharing that. And uh, what would you recommend that people learn about their co-founder before going all in? <laughs> that's a great, where do you come up with these? Great I'm question. telling you the pre-interview is my secret sauce, man. I, <laughs> it's like an interview before an interview. Yeah. yeah. I love it. All right, Bob, you're a stat. Uh, oh yeah, I'm, I'm blown away. Can you repeat the question? All right. So how, um, what would you recommend people learn about their co-founder before going all in? Learn about their co-founder. Learn like, you know, do you, do you want to know if they have a criminal record or do you don't, you don't care? Uh, yeah. What do you think you should know about if you were to start this again, but I'm going to jump in the interview as well. Bob, if you were to start this all over again, all right, I'll go first. <laughs> not to waste time. Um, I think, being able to, I think we really fluked. We, it was a massive fluke that we managed to connect the way we did. I think being able to meet them would be key. Obviously a remote thing like this would be super rare. Um, I think you need to meet them. You, you need to talk with them enough that you really understand their uh, motivations. Why are they doing it? If, if money is their only motivation, for example, um, that's okay. Everyone's allowed to be motivated by money, but if that's not your motivation, you, that is not going to work. That is going to fail. So mm. I think really understanding where they come from, what their values are, um, you know, even, and you can pick that up from even knowing what they are, what they're like as a person in the workplace with their family, uh, with the kids, whatever. Um, and Bob and I are so aligned with that. And actually to uh, add some credibility to that a little bit, before we started the business in 2016, we'd been mates for eight years. So, mm. you know, that shows that we had a long time to build that rapport and understanding and, and friendship. So it was a bit of a no brainer. We, we knew the trust was there. Yeah. We had been seeding this for a long time. Yeah. Mm. And, uh, great foundations. <laughs> yeah. That's so maybe a lesson that I'm, I'm grabbing out of that too, is just kind of be patient. Don't force it. Like, it might take eight years before you really know if this is the right move. I don't know. That, that was, that was kind of what I drew out of what you. Yeah. Well, if you can't get that physical interaction, I mean, if you, 
if you do know the person in person and you can go and meet them every Friday for a coffee or something, um, that is going to, that's going to be a lot quicker, okay. that whole relationship. So, but you know, yeah. Bob and I can't go and grab a beer anytime you want. He's 10, 15,000 Ks away. So yeah. <laughs> and this year, PyCon was canceled. So even less. Yeah. That ruined the whole thing. Yeah. No. Going through withdrawals. <laughs> yeah. All right. Well, thanks for uh, playing along with that question. That was a, that was a wild one, I guess. <laughs> uh, okay. So here's uh, here's a fun one. I'm, I'm curious, uh, what domino do you need to knock over that would trigger PyBytes developer mindset program to be globally recognized as a premier mentoring experience? Like what is Ooh. the efficiency? Yeah. That, I think that's like the one thing reference the domino uh yeah yeah. i think so oh man that is a good question um i i think like getting amazing results for people you know Mm -hmm. and and people start seeing what people accomplish in in 10 weeks and also after that how they continue the momentum yeah Mm. that that's then if that can speak for itself you know then i think the rest would be much easier awareness yes what was that, Bob? The last one? Awareness. Awareness, yeah. I think it's a mixer. It'd be, well, I'm not going to say it's a mix. That's a bit of a cop out because I don't get to say two things. Um, well, yeah, I, I think awareness as well. Uh, I think getting the, the domino would be getting the program and the value of the program in front of the perfect audience because we, it's very, it, I wouldn't say it's selective, but it's very specific in what we, the outcome that you're going to get out of it. Um, And so if you, if your goal is to just learn Python, I don't know any Python that the program's not for you. It's, that's pretty simple. Mm -hmm. Um, So I think having that awareness um, with the right people, uh, with the right, the people who are at that right level where they want to go, what they know, that would be key for me. So it sounds like really marketing is the crux, like knowing your customer that, like that avatar i'm i'm kind of been doing some studying up on on marketing as well and like that's that's what i'm just ripping off you guys it's like man the longer that that you put off this learning how to these marketing skills you're like if you have any sort of ambitions you are really robbing yourself by not getting involved with learning how to market yourself and and your ideas and stuff yeah, I think I mean, it's a bit related to the goal setting, right? And the more mm-hmm. um, specific you have it in your mind, the better you can target them. And it's the same for, as, as we said with the program, like it's it's not for anybody just coding Python. You already have to have some Python skills, but also like having that goal to to use Python to get ahead in your career. And that that's a specific group, right? And yeah. once we had that figured out, the messaging uh, became easier. Um, mm-hmm. So otherwise you're all over the place and you're not consistent and then your marketing is not really working. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I, I also thought it was fascinating how there was uh, a differentiation in your messaging between a Python, like a programmer and like, like you're helping them go from like, Hey, I know Python to like, I'm a professional developer. And for some reason that's never really, it's, I've never differentiated things like that, but it's uh. I, it's clear, it's clear now there's a, there's a huge, even just like mingling around in these Facebook groups, there's, there's dabblers. And then there's people that are like, this is, this is the direction I want to go. So, yeah. 
Yeah, that's awesome. Um, okay, so what attributes do you look for in the talent you will hire to scale your business? Ooh. Okay. Well, when when we get to that point, um, actually, we're, we're already at this point where we're pretty overloaded. So who knows? Take it before um, you make it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I think um, the attribute for me would be for them to have the same mindset of growth that Bob and I have, because if you have that solid foundation of growth that you think, you know, that life is about learning, life is about growing. You never stagnate. Uh, that's, that leads to death essentially. Mm-hmm. Um, if, if you have that same, if, if the person we're looking for has that same mindset, then we know whatever we throw at them, they'll be able to just pick it up and run. They have mm-hmm. that mentality to go. Yeah, that's fine. That's fine. I'll, I'll learn it. Okay. Mm-hmm. Send me a resource or whatever. What do you think the best way is? But um, yeah, I'm going to have to learn that and I can do it. Not that's too hard. I'm out. Or right. just uh, I, I can't do that. I'm not qualified. Like, that's just a cop out. So oh. yeah, I want that growth mindset. So line, bro. You, I kind of really add to that. It's, it's, uh, it's really the mindset. Like what, what are they listening to? What are they reading? Are they constantly growing? Asking questions. Yeah. Curious. Hands on. Um, They should also have a sense of humor. Be able Uh to tell a good, a good dad joke, I think would be part of the interview process. Nice. (laughs) (laughs) Awesome. We should have a, we should have a song, Bob. We should take meatloaf. You took the words right out of my mouth. That should be our, um, our song. (laughs) Never mind. Never mind. So this this was uh, inspired by the pre-interview from Julian's. So uh, how important would you rate the skill of courage to speak up and call out when there is an area for improvement? Um, this is for, as a for Bob. Well, I guess either one of you could take it, but the question was inspired by Julian's pre-interview. Okay. So. Awesome. Go on, Bob, you take it. 10 out of 10, <laughs> I guess. Whether you're a coach or... Um, you know, anywhere or in any capacity, I think if you can be honest and, you know, um, call out things in the other person and, and give that sort of mentoring, yeah, that, that will set yourself apart. So I'm, I'm, I'm all about that. Yeah. Cause it, it can be scary to call out, you know, things, uh, you know, weaknesses or things that are related to pride. I don't know, but, and, and they might, dislike you for a moment right so you have to go through that like i might not be popular saying that but they then come back a week later like dude you're you're absolutely right and and look at where how i how i pivoted that Mm -hmm. yeah that's super valuable i think that will make a difference in in somebody's life yeah Mm -hmm. awesome yeah so the the coaching stuff that's what 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 i love about coaching that's kind of this the thing to your where you have to do to get people yep. the results and, mm-hmm. and it's not easy, but and that, that can make a difference. Yeah. Yeah. If it, if it comes from a good place, not a, not a place of um, pessimism or just trying to be, you know, painful or difficult for the sake of being difficult. Um, say, let's say I didn't like a project that Bob was working on. I could be spiteful and just pick holes in it and say, this isn't working. This is a problem you know, so on. Um, but if it comes from a good place of earnestly wanting to make change and help, well then, yeah, 
that is a huge thing to, um, there's a huge uh, ability to have to, to be able to do, to have that courage. Yeah, just don't just throw a 500 hour, like. <laughs> yeah, have a solution as well, some meaningful feedback. It doesn't work and then push it back. Yeah, don't do that. This sucks. <laughs> That's, that's awesome. Um, okay. So, and this was inspired from uh, Bob's pre-interview. So what insight do you have for building automation that you wish you knew years ago? What did Julian know? Sure. What, hang on. B- building automation that I wish I knew years ago. What do you mean? So in like, is there, is there a right, a right way to do it or a, a wrong way to do it? Um, is it, is it necessary? Do you automate is there like an 80 20 rule when it comes to automation or oh, right. so just any sort of insight on what you automating things and helping us learn, like condense your decades into, into days for us here <laughs> on automation. Um, well, for me, I think uh, if I was to, you know, think about the old Julian or before I knew what I know now, um, I would be thinking, uh, I would try and, encourage people to have that mindset of if something's repetitive, it can be automated some way. Mm-hmm. You know, it may be completely out of your grasp, like automating, say bathing the kids. That's not something that can be automated There's a shower, but you know <laughs> what I mean? Um, but if it's something that you, a repetitive task that you just don't even realize that you're doing over and over. Yeah, totally. That's something you should be paying attention to be more mindful of that. And um, then start thinking, there's that process, as you said, the 80, 20, is it worth the time investment? Mm-hmm. You know, is, is that, yeah. Okay. Do the math is one second over a year. Um, one second every day over a year worth spending six hours trying to automate. Maybe not, you know, mm-hmm. but then also look at the uh, emotional factor as well. If that one second is going to reduce your thought workload of having to remember to do that every single day, then it's totally worth it. You know, if it makes things more secure, make thing, makes things more reliable, definitely worth it. Mm-hmm. Um, that's the take, that's the, the feedback I'd have to that. I don't know if that was the answer you were looking for, but it's what I, I got. I open up these cans of worms. I don't have to worry about answering the questions. <laughs> <laughs> that's not my job. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> what do you think, Bob? Yeah, it's um, where there's human uh, entrance of data, there's always, you know, uh, probably probability of mistakes. So automation uh, is not only a time saver, but it's also a re- reliability thing. So that never really uh, resonated with me or you, mm. you reminded me of that. Yeah. Awesome. I had, I had one guy on the show one time. He, he said something along the lines of if it's not automated, it's broken. <laughs> <laughs> so it, it's kind of jiving with what you, you guys are saying about uh, like these, this stuff is just kind of inevitable and uh, you want to maybe seek out in being, you know, if you have these Python skills, seek out being an automator because uh, somebody's somebody else is going to come swoop up that opportunity real quick, probably. Yeah, that, that's a great advantage you have that actually knowing Python, you, you won't have a problem there, probably. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Cool. So uh, just kind of like wrapping it up here on uh, just some closing things. I was curious. What are your daily non-negotiables for people that are seeking out like um, routine in their life or discipline? What could maybe we? It's, it's actually, it's going to be sad, but it's very similar where we have, 
very, very similar non-negotiables, I think. You, yeah. you read both of ours, didn't you, Ben? I did, yeah. Okay. Were they similar? They, they were uh, similar. Um, okay. Yeah, Bob, so your assumptions of Bob were slightly different, though. Ooh, okay, uh, all right. Uh, all right, yeah, because yeah. I, all right. All right, so my non-negotiables, I'll start with this. Um, we'll see how we go. Um, reading every day, got to read every day. Um, I don't think I put this down, but I, I did think of this afterwards. Um, spending some time with my kids, right? I got to mm-hmm. have time with the kids. Um, then there was exercising. Got to exercise every day, unless it's rest day. Then that's my veg out day. Um, I think that's what I ha- what I had. Reading, so reading, learning, kids, and um, yeah, the uh, actual. What did I just say? I, I've exercise. Exercise. That's yeah. it. Yeah, I didn't exercise today. <laughs> what about you, Bob? Yeah, also the exercise. Um, now with the whole uh, home quarantine uh, thing, I, I noticed that it takes a bit more discipline somehow. But if I have worked out, especially in the morning, my whole day goes better. <laughs> so it's it's definitely a, a no-brainer. And you spend 30 minutes or whatever, and your whole day, you're, you're pumped and you're just you know your mind opens and etc and you know your long-term health and being in shape uh reading non-negotiable uh at least 20 minutes and uh well, actually I, I noticed this whole uh coaching thing or or the fact that i had to do some more group sessions and presenting i i read up more on python again you know so there's always more to learn right it's uh yeah so the reading, yeah, I kind of try to split it um, half technical, half mindset or business or psychology, like something like that. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, and, and the big one, I think you didn't mention, Julian, is sleep. Yeah, Where's that was, sleep? Uh, <laughs> that was <laughs> it. No, sleep? hang on a minute. I don't have that luxury of sleep. It's, there's a little echo going on there. I heard it. Is that you, Bob? Oh, there we go. That's good. I think we're good now. Yeah, yeah. G- so sleep. <laughs> <laughs> no, my, my kids wake me up at 5.30 or 6 in the morning most days. And um, I'm up to I'm up working pie bites till almost midnight. So, you know, there's not a much, much sleep going on there. But, you know, I get it when I can. Heck yeah. yeah. Cool. Yeah, that's really cool. So uh, who is somebody that you admire as a massive action taker? It could be your neighbor. It could be like somebody famous. But I'm just curious – who is this person? But more importantly, kind of what are the um, attributes that they have? Because I'm all about massive action and it's kind of like a way for me to study. Uh, yeah, I'm just curious. Does it have to be someone well-known? Or? No, it, I mean, it could be your neighbor or... Oh, yeah, yeah. you said neighbor. Okay. Well, if your neighbor's Tim Ferriss, no, I'm just kidding. <laughs> that, that'd be pretty sweet. Yeah. Uh, you want to go, Bob, or... And we can't say each other. So you go, Bob. Okay. Yeah, you mentioned. <laughs> oh, yeah. I mean, he, he's, he's definitely been an inspiration. Like okay. um, all the stuff he's done and the books and then the podcast, which have been really, really beneficial in shaping our minds. So we see him as like a, a big action taker, right? Uh, but in the Python space, for example, Michael Kennedy, like mm-hmm. what he's doing, his podcast, his courses, his massive um action taker or hustler or you know, whatever you want to call it 
and he's everywhere, right? And he's, he's providing so much value and yeah, and, and great human being to be around. And so no, that's, that's somebody really uh, exemplary. Yeah. 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 He ties that, he walks that line of personal branding. Um, if we're going to use that term extremely well, because he's just so earnest, honest, and, um, and like, like Bob said, just a decent bloke. And, mm-hmm. uh, he has amazing ideas. He's extremely generous. Uh, so yeah, he'd be an easy one to say, but um, Bob said him, so I'm going to change my answer to actually, so this one, you won't have heard of him. Um, he's my brother-in-law. So my, my sister's husband, and he has been such a, I uh, probably haven't told him this. So if he listens to this, he's going to say, Oh geez, dude, I had no idea. Um, <laughs> ins- inspirational in, in a way that, he is going down the same path as Bob and I, and he's got his own startup that's successful. He's got staff working for him. Um, and seeing him get to that has been really inspiring to me and seeing how he balances that. And um, even now with um, COVID going on, his business is busier than ever because it's in the financial space. And obviously with businesses, finance, it's crazy. So just seeing the commitment he has to that um, at, at the same time, just always thinking new ideas um, and, you know, but being so generous with his time, helping people. It's not always about the, the bottom dollar. Um, it's about just being a good person and, and sharing what he knows. And uh, so he's been very helpful to us over the years as well, giving us advice and, and uh, it's been super nice having him around. And every time I sort of feel a bit, actually, there was a Friday night. I think it was last Friday, the Friday, Friday before I was doing some big push and some pie bite stuff. And I was, it was past midnight. I was exhausted. And um, I saw him, a message come through from him on WhatsApp for something else. And I think he was, wasn't expecting a reply, but I'm like, are you still awake? He's like, yeah, what are you doing awake? You know, <laughs> said, I'm still working. He goes, so am I. Nice. So, um, yeah, that's, that's one thing that's been really inspiring to me. Awesome. Yeah. Thanks for sharing that. And, uh, what is the most, uh, important marketing or business development book to read this year? You think, or is, or is book even where we go? Like, is, is it more about doing, you can handle this. You can handle that however you want. Yeah. Thanks. <laughs> <laughs> Just release uh, to the wild there. Yeah. Yeah. Look, there's, there's so many books on this stuff. So yeah. many. Um, it's hard to boil it down to one. Uh, what I'll do is I'll go off what I'm reading at the moment. And it's okay. a book Bob finished a while back. It's a book called Contagious. Um, who writes that, Bob? Berger. Uh, oh. yeah. I just realized how dark it was in this room. I just went, <laughs> I'm going to go back. Look at that. I'll go back to the white screen. <laughs> Lost me for a second. Um, yeah, I don't know who wrote that book, but Contagious, can, you said, right? Yeah, Contagious. You can look it up. I can't remember. Um, I'm I'm reading that at the moment, and that has been eye-opening to me with the whole essence of um, making a product or, or making your product or business, um, it, it, it making it seem so appealing that mm-hmm. people won't stop talking about it. And actually, I'll, I have a quote in my diary here. I write down really good quotes because I've gone completely manual. Uh, it's emphasize, emphasize what's remarkable about a product or idea and people will talk. And 
yeah, so Jonah Berger from Contagious. And oh. and that was that was one thing that really resonated with me from that that book where I'm up to in it. Um <clears throat> it's about what's remarkable about a product, it's about what will what benefit it will bring people, not just talking features, but what in their lives is going to be made remarkable by your product being remarkable and that sort of flow and approach. So that book, I, I highly recommend. Um, what do you think, Bob? Do you have any ideas? So many books <clears throat> like the, uh, the mindset one, Carl Dweck, about having a fixed mindset versus um, what was it? Growth mindset. So when you don't know something, not just say like, I don't know. I don't know yet. Mm. That, really, that yep. really stuck with me. Like it's, yeah, it's, it's all learnable, right? We, we didn't know how to write software 10 years ago or certain features even a year ago. Mm-hmm. Well, we learned it, right? Uh, we were not developers before. We are not born that way. <laughs> yeah. We just had some, you know, a little bit of knack of automation. And uh, for me, it was the numbers because I came from finance and you can learn it. So kind of have that growth mindset. So that, that book is really great. Um, but yeah, there are many more. There's high performance habits. I just finished, um, can go into details, but uh, those are, the, yeah, I should say we, we read a lot about mindset and, uh, and mm-hmm. business. Yeah. Cool. Uh, yeah. I liked, I liked the, the message from the first book, uh, Carl Dweck, you were saying something about like the language that we use when we mm-hmm. talk, basically talk to ourselves and how, like one is like this defeatist verbiage and this other one is like, yeah, oh yeah, we got that. We'll, we'll figure it out eventually. Uh, a, a great yeah. book in that, in that context is uh, the things you say to yourself when, when okay. you talk to yourself from, I have to look it up, but it's, it's a small book and it's like how you really can self-sabotage like that voice in your head yeah. and how to kind of turn it around. Cool. Yeah. That's, that's really cool. Uh, since we're all uh, bookworms here, I got to ask this question too. What is the book that you think everybody should read like every year? Uh, okay. If it's not too long, I would, um, I'd, I love um, seven habits of highly effective people. It's an old one. It's, it's stereotypical. Everyone's going to say that, but I haven't read a book um, that has, been had such a profound impact on my outlook on life before and how I engage with people. So while I won't read it every year, I would definitely listen to the audio book. It'd always be something I have on because uh, I have audible that I would listen to all the time. Um, I really enjoyed it by, I actually found myself falling asleep while reading the print version. Okay. It's, it's quite, it's quite heavy. So, yeah. um, and dense. So when you listen to him speaking, then it's actually a lot more, pleasant and um yeah it made more sense to me that way mm-hmm. yeah one uh, uh one book i often reread is the one thing um gary keller mm-hmm. um especially when i'm or or deep work from cal newport mm-hmm. um if i'm all over the place and to regain focus <laughs> awesome. and another book i actually read two or three times is uh the other book from cal newport uh so good that they cannot ignore you which is really all about, you know, marketing yourself and, and design your unique career. So that's, that's where I often go back to, like how you not necessarily have to follow your passion, although we're, we're lucky that we can to a certain extent. Yeah. <laughs> but it's really about uh, learning the, the strategic skills that get you ahead, 
which are not necessarily the most fun one, but <laughs> the, the ones that will serve you the most. So. Mm -hmm. Cool. I'm, I'm glad we went there. Uh, just a, just a handful more questions here. What, uh, let's see, what techniques do you use to make sure you are extracting and acting on book knowledge? Mm. Cause I, I find, I find that's a problem for me. Like if I do a book a week or something, it's like, what am I, what am I doing? Yeah. Here? Yeah. It's, it's, yeah. it's insane. I still don't have this down. So it's a combination because I do physical and Kindle. So if it's Kindle and highlight and there's a nice highlight page and then with the weekly review, I force myself to look at, look over them to get some quotes and learnings out and book physical books are still a problem. So I um, dog ear them. And then at the end I have an index. So mm -hmm. I put down a page number and, and the essence, and then I have kind of an index card system. Very, very simple. Okay. Uh, and, and then when I, what often happens is <laughs> I go sit on the couch and read for 20 minutes. I get inspired to get an idea. I throw the book away, <laughs> go on LinkedIn or whatever, and type out a post. Yeah. So that way, I meet, as soon as I can it. apply it, go do it. Awesome. Oh. <laughs> yeah, it's almost like the learn by writing thing, right? Yeah. Learn by teaching. Yeah, that's awesome. Cool. And uh, so we talked about all kinds of all kinds of things today, and I was just wondering, what is the message that you would like the audience to walk away with? Hmm. Okay, so we've waffled on about this a few times now, um, but I'm going to say to constantly grow. Uh, I I can't stress how detrimental it is to your mental health to the people around you, to your family, to your friends, if you just stagnate and don't grow, if you don't push yourself to learn something, it doesn't even matter what it is. Pick up a guitar and start learning it. Do something that challenges you and teach yourself that skill to stick with it to mm. when it gets difficult. That's the point where your mind's starting to rewire and start learning. So that's when you really need to push when it gets difficult. And uh, that, that way it's something you remember, but yeah, the, the takeaway from, from me is don't stop learning. Don't stop growing. It doesn't matter what it is. Just the other night, I made bread for the very first time. It was garlic bread and it was damn good, but it was something I'd never done before. And I thought, well, why not? I'll just do it. Yeah. You know, so always be learning. Nice. Yeah, we, we have this quote. We uh, often remind ourselves of, I think we should frame it on the wall uh, for ourselves. Um, and we fear inaction more than occasionally look stupid yeah so basically you're going to fail you're going to look stupid sometimes you it's not all going to be perfect and that's fine <laughs> because through doing through being uncomfortable you 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 grow you get the answers mm -hmm. right awesome yeah. yeah that that is uh oh did i interrupt you there julian or no, 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 I'm good. Um, actually, one thing I did want to bring up was on that other question you had about how we implement what we're reading. From yeah, oh, yeah. Mm -hmm. um, my take is very limited because, again, this is something we're still learning and trying to get down right. Um, but I try and just take one learning <laughs> concept at a time. Because yeah. if you go, I've got 10 of these that I've learned from this book, you made notes. It's really hard in the moment, especially if it's behavioral stuff, 
to remember to be all 10 of those or to consider all of them be like that Simpsons episode. By the time you finish thinking about it, everyone's gone home. Yeah. Um, so for me, just the, the key one that I always remember and, and I teach all the time to anyone I can is that you are in control of your decisions and your reactions. Mm. That's it. So no matter what's thrown at you, you decide how you react. So every time I yell at the kids, I feel bad because I realize I made the choice to yell in that moment. So. Yeah. <laughs> that's, a, that's, that's some seven habit stuff too, because yeah, Stephen Covey it. talks about this, like the, 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 the event, the external and the, and, and what you choose, there's this little space. Yeah, yeah. that was it. That's, that's what, that's what, when the book changed my life, that's the yeah. thing that really changed everything for me. Yeah. That, that's there a whole, whole book on this, uh, as a man thing. Think oh. from Alan, yeah, all about like it's not what happened to you, it's, it's what you think about it, right? Mm-hmm. So, I got a question for you then, Bob. If you're adding one more question to this interview, um, <laughs> what books haven't you read? Come on, man, I t- <laughs> quote master, I tell you, this guy, love it. Love no, that. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> He's like, hmm. don't answer that. Well, I, I, I'm notorious for not finishing books, so I'm currently probably reading 30 books and <laughs> yeah and and i was kind of always stressed about it and now i think like that's pretty fine because you're reading right yeah mm-hmm. you get what you get out of it yeah so I, I have not completed a structure and interpretation of computer programs yet and maybe that's a good thing <laughs> yeah sounds a little heavy there yeah <laughs> awesome um, well so one, that- one book i'm really looking forward to and and mm-hmm. i'm withdrawn from so far is uh uh gene swart's um bible on, on copywriting the uh, breakthrough advertising i think mm. is, uh, oh he's like the godfather of uh of copy or yeah 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 and it's that's it's and the reason i didn't read it is it's, it's still uh holding off due to COVID COVID somewhere uh, but yeah. i will get it i will get it <laughs> yeah. yeah that's awesome um well i guess now I just want to ask you, where do people go connect with you? What is your call to action? Do you want to go first, Bob? Yeah. So check out our site, pybit.es, pybytes. Um, there's a community link on there, so you can join our Slack. Uh, messages there on Pybot and figure Julian Segura. <laughs> Original, yeah. Original. Um, definitely check out our platform. It's, it's linked on the blog. A link called platform um, or otherwise codechallenge.es. We have something funny with ES names because it's Spain. Yeah. Couldn't come up with cool names with AUS. So, sorry. Yeah, it didn't work. <laughs> yeah, it didn't work. Um, so go coding there. I mean, yeah, go coding there. Obviously, that's that's what we're all about. You have to write the code. And um, But yeah, ping us on uh, Slack. We would love to hear, hear from you and uh, start a conversation there. Yeah. And uh, for me, we're on, so yeah, Slack, the website, but we're both on Twitter. Um, that's a big place we post on a lot. Uh, we're both on LinkedIn, obviously, so you can look us up on that. Um, but call to action. Yeah, uh, honestly, I think the, the biggest thing is to, as a Python coder, if you're listening to this, just go and code. Um, our Code Challenges platform is a great place for that. Obviously, I'm going to mention that. Um, but yeah, the reality is these are real world challenges. And they're really going to get you honing in on those skills that you need uh, when you're coding for real on the outside. Um, so, but as long as you're honestly, the base of it, core of it is if you're coding, 
you're learning. So just go and learn something. Go and do. Take action. Awesome. And think about your goals. Yes. That's two things, Bob. <laughs> I, I love it, though. The, the duality. The, I got to figure out how to recreate this with, with more interviews. It's really fun to have some radio voices on here. So, but this, yeah. this was the show, folks. Thank you so much for coming on the Profitable Python. It was an honor. And I, uh, I can't wait to promote the show. So thanks for thanks coming. Thanks so much, Ben. Thanks so much. This was yep. fun. Cool.